good morning and welcome. It's Friday, the 22nd of May, 2020, and we're back with episode 153. Before getting started, I should probably let you know I figured out why I've been having so many audio issues on and off lately. Suffice to say, I've managed to break my beloved Blue Yeti mic. Uh, basically, I managed to bend the the metal connector bit of the USB cord that plugs into the mic. I actually did this months ago. Uh, in fact, shortly after I got the mic, um, and it's basically been getting ever looser since then, and well, today it finally failed completely. Like, the actual pins fell out of <laughs> that metal housing of the connector. Uh, so anyway, I'm just using a uh, lapel mic, albeit one that's supposed to be really highly rated. It's a, I think it's called Shure, or, or Rode, rather. I don't know which. Uh, in any event, uh, just bear with me then for a bit. I will make a point to reorder that USB cord as soon as possible. Um, all right, so let's get started. But first, uh, I wanted to share with you, I'm pretty thrilled to announce that coming up on June 3rd, I'll be hosting uh, an MCLE course at the Beverly Hills Bar Association. Uh, if you don't know what an MCLE course is, that's good. You're not an attorney. Good for you. Uh, for any, everybody who does know, well, the good news is that obviously due to COVID, this will be an online MCLE. And, uh, well, this is great for a couple of reasons, right? So first of all, if you're a member of the Beverly Hills Bar Association already, it's $0 to you. If you're not, it's only $25. This is a really big deal, actually, because MCLE courses tend to be anywhere from three or $400 a pop. So this is, this is pretty great, right? So um, joining me for the MCLE will be one of our uh, advisors over at Hogan Co. His name is Puria Paknajad. And besides being a dear friend of mine from law school days, He's an attorney licensed in California, Arizona, and New York. He was a judge pro tem for some time in Arizona. Um, so he'll be joining me. And this is a really big deal because, well, besides being thoroughly versed in all things law, uh, he happens to be very well versed in all things tech generally, uh, not just computer hardware and software, but crucially cars and has a deep-rooted love for all things automotive, as as I do, of course. Um, but he goes one step further than that still. Because, you see, he's actually built from scratch, like, as in, he actually ordered the parts from Germany to build a classic Volkswagen Beetle. Yeah, he's done this. I've seen it. I've sat in it. He's driven me around a parking lot uh, down in Orange County, uh, the Crystal Cove Shopping Center, if you know the area, and it is a thing of beauty. Um, in fact, if I'm not mistaken, I shared a couple spectacular photos of it on my uh, autonomous Hogue Instagram account. You can check it out there. But uh, in any event, again, this is coming up on June 3rd. It's going to be just an hour from 12.30 to 1.30. We're going to be discussing uh, all the ins and outs of law as it pertains to autonomous vehicles. In fact, the MCLE event is therefore accordingly titled Autonomous Vehicles, Bridging Technology, Law, and Policy. You can find out more by heading over to the Beverly Hills Bar Association website at bhba.org. Click the calendar of events, scroll down to June 3rd, and you can see it there. Right, uh, carrying on then, there was one other thing I wanted to mention. Uh, yeah, so sorry for all the frequent episode up infrequent episode updates, uh, Suffice to say, I've just been totally overburdened with, frankly, a lot of work over at Hogan Co., not to mention the recent event that we did on construction 
uh, and real estate in the era of COVID and the years beyond uh, as impacted by autonomous mobility generally. And of course, coming up, then there's this MCLE. So I've just, I've been completely out of time and I do apologize for that. So let's see, what have we got today then? Uh, well, let's dive in and get started, shall we? Because today, GM builds Ultra Cruise to improve upon Super Cruise. Uh, Self-driving scooters are here to scare you. And autonomous vehicle delivery needs a bit clearer regulation. All this, right now. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. All right, so let me just begin by saying that I've been a really big fan of everything the Detroit automakers have been up to lately uh, with respect to autonomous vehicles generally, right? So we've talked quite a bit in the past about Ford and all their initiatives with uh, Argo.ai. Most recently, we discussed how Fiat Chrysler have partnered up with um, uh, Voyage, right? And of course, we've discussed a lot about GM's, well, initial effective acquisition of the self-driving startup from San Francisco, Cruise Automation, now simply called Cruise. Um, so so I, I've always been very impressed with everything going on, and I've said for, for quite some time that I actually think if the Detroit automakers play their cards right, both with respect to AV technology, but crucially also, of course, EV technology, and we are seeing leaps and bounds improvements or at least investments in that direction. Right, don't forget that Ford, for instance, has partnered up with Rivian, uh, the electric automaker, also based in Detroit, uh, to use their electric vehicle platform for future Ford Lincoln products. Um, so, so I, I, you know, taking that all as a whole, I've, uh, I've said that if indeed they continue to play their cards right, then we should see them. Th- this should basically be a renaissance for American automakers generally. Never mind what Tesla has already. Um, I was going to say done, but I think a better word is what Tesla has effectively um, jump-started or, you know, really, they, they're the ones who got the ball rolling in this in this direction, right? So, so look, to that end, though, um, I have yet to experience any of GM's products in real life, but when I first heard about what they were doing with Super Cruise, I had admittedly a bit of a delayed reaction. I thought, okay, well, this is on the one hand kind of cool, but eh, it's kind of lame. It's remarkably limited. It, it relies on all this sort of pre-installed uh, mapping uh, data, right? And so to me, it just sort of seemed the automotive equivalent of, let's see, what analogy can I use here? Um, I guess, all right, if you think to video games, right? So for, for those of you who grew up enjoying video games as much as I did, and um, you might remember that you know, certain special effects, like for example, shadows, right? You couldn't do so-called real-time shadows. Uh, shadows were effectively, um, they, were, they were basically canned effects or baked in. They, they were effectively pre-rendered. They were, they were simulating shadows. They were faked. They weren't real. You couldn't do dynamic lighting, dynamic shadows. That is a thing only now really becoming commonplace with the advent of uh, such technology as ray tracing, for instance. Um, and so, so, so for me, naively, I had thought at the time that, you know, kind of 
pre-baking in all this mapping data to effectively serve as a crutch to enable uh, an otherwise marginally semi-autonomous vehicle to do its thing. I thought that was just a bit sort of no big deal. Um, I've changed my views on this quite a bit, I think, since then. And uh, frankly, I think this is pretty cool because uh, at the very least, it at least makes progress and it deploys a thing that works. And at best, it's effectively getting ever closer to realizing that goal of proper level four capability, which... Again, if you've been listening to my podcast for, well, a while, you'll know that I am a huge fan of fast-tracking level four uh, testing and full deployment, even at the expense of level five, because I just don't see any real need for it. Because again, the idea being that level four vehicles will effectively function as virtual trains. And so to that end, it's all right if they are uh, limited, both with respect to geography, meaning also, and I should say cartography with respect to uh, the roads where they can drive, but also even with respect to weather. I mean, like, so what if they can't go in all weather conditions on all roads? Just make them work um, in certain roads and in certain weather conditions. That's not a terrible thing if you can make it work well. And so to, to GM's credit, that's effectively what Super Cruise uh, does, right? So it's basically uh, a system which uh, effectively enables a Tesla-ish sort of semi-autopilot type of functionality, but only on roads that it's already mapped. And so this is a really crucial distinction, right? So, so it's not actually, uh, it is simply not capable of driving on its own at all on roads that are not pre-mapped. So this is effectively yeah, baked in data, as it were. And then, of course, it uses all the usual bits of hardware to sort of, you know, incorporate the, the, the usual technologies, right? like adaptive cruise control, uh, lane keep assist, but insofar as the actual navigation on the roads, the lanes, that kind of thing, yeah? So that's all pre-baked data. Um, but look, great, if it works, that's awesome, right? And so now the idea is they're gonna take this one step further um, and they're gonna move this so-called super cruise onto city streets, uh, at which point that is now called Ultra Cruise, because of course, and uh, yeah, just to clarify, uh, I think I missed saying this a moment ago, uh, so, so the current iteration of Super Cruise only works on freeways, right? It does not work on city streets and boulevards and so on, but Ultra Cruise is basically taking that same technology and then moving it to the streets. Uh, so, so again, I guess the idea is that, you know, they're going to basically pre-populate the database with high-res maps of, well, city streets, so that the the vehicles can then do on the streets what they've been doing on the highway. So uh, the timing of this is all really quite good because um, up until now, GM's Super Cruise was available only, if I'm not mistaken, on one of their highest end models. I believe it was called the CT6. Sorry, I've completely lost track of GM's nomenclature. I feel like they keep changing like every couple of years or so. Uh, but suffice to say, uh, they're actually now planning on bringing Super Cruise to 22 different models by 2023. Uh, so, so okay, I mean, assuming they do indeed deploy Super Cruise, at least, to those models, my assumption, without knowing, and there's just, yeah, I, I just, I can't find any information on this yet, is that the that the move to Ultra Cruise shouldn't, in fact, if I understand it correctly, shouldn't be a technology upgrade. It shouldn't be a hardware upgrade, but rather it should just be a software update, honestly. And frankly, if it's not that, then uh, 
GM, I think, is really dropping the ball with this because what's the point of deploying regular supergroups to 22 models three years from now if they'll effectively be obsolete shortly thereafter without the ability for an easy software update. I think that would just be completely short-sighted. And to GM's credit, I cannot imagine that that would be the case. So again, my assumption is that once the vehicles are kitted out with all the necessary hardware and indeed the database for the mapping to enable super crews, then it'll be effectively flipping a switch on a software update to enable so-called ultra crews to uh, bring that functionality off the freeways and onto certain city streets. Now, again, crucially, remember, this won't be all city streets. It'll be just those city streets that have been uh, sort of HD mapped out, as it were. Um, if this sounds, by the way, at all familiar, that's because, yeah, it's it's very similar to the sort of, well, the mapping approach is very similar to the sort of thing that we discussed a few episodes back with respect to Intel's acquisition of Israel-based MoveIt, which is a consumer mapping product, which is rich in all sorts of mapometric data, to coin a term here. Um, and it's going to be incorporated with, of course, Intel's previous acquisition of Mobileye to build effectively the entire stack. Because uh, again, the idea here is to get all sorts of really granular micro-level HD mapping data, right? Uh, also similar to this, of course, is uh, Here Technologies HD mapping, which we've discussed exhaustively in the past, not least of which because if you remember, I was invited to moderate three days of talks for the Here Technologies team at CES 2019 in Las Vegas. So, so yeah, this is all kind of a roundabout way of saying that, you know, it seems that really HD mapping is, is a perfectly uh, good approach to realizing at least a level four future. Because, right, there's sort of a, I think there's sort of a presupposition that if you've got a sufficiently capable level five vehicle, then almost by definition, whether this argument is true or not, I'm not going to even go there. But there's sort of an expectation that if level five vehicles are sufficiently um, sophisticated, then they effectively, almost by definition, won't need HD maps, right? Because their onboard kit of whether it's LiDAR or in Tesla's case, um, computer vision with cameras, you know, those should be sophisticated enough that they wouldn't need an onboard database of, well, maps, right? So that, that that's kind of the argument there, I suppose. But suffice to say, this is a great approach a great direction ahead for uh, level four technology. So I'm really, really curious to see where this goes. By the way, if anybody is listening and you happen to be at GM, and I'm not just saying this because I like free test drives, uh, which I do, and I'm not just saying this because I just love cars generally, which I do, um, but I am genuinely curious and interested to uh, have a go at what you guys are up to. And I would love the chance to test drive or at least be given a test drive in one of your uh, Super Cruise equipped cars, and optimally, even if there's a test vehicle for Ultra Cruise, I'd love to do that. Uh, now, obviously, given the current annoyances of COVID, this will have to wait until a later date. But suffice to say, if anybody listening has any interest to folks at GM um, who'd be able to help hook this up, please, by all means, do let me know. You can reach out to me by email, of course, uh, mark at hogandco.com, uh, Twitter, Autonomous Hogue, uh, LinkedIn, of course, so on and so forth. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So 
Uh, it's very difficult to discuss this next bit with a straight face because it sounds uh, a little too funny to take seriously. There, and I, it's it's funny because also I, I think I've joked about this in the past: the idea of so-called self-driving scooters. And when I say scooters, of course, I mean you know these really popular uh, electric uh, sort of e-scooters, right? For instance, Bird, Lime, uh, what else? Uh, gosh, there's so many now around the world. Um, and and I guess the idea is that what do you do to solve that 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 sort of first and last? I was going to say first and last mile, but no, really more like what do you do to solve that first and last couple hundred feet, say, with respect to. Well, getting a scooter in the first place when you can't really find one or whether it's inconvenient to walk to, or of course, rather more importantly, what do you do when people, um, you know, just sort of discard the scooter on the side of the road somewhere that it doesn't belong to ensure that we don't end up just with like a whole mess of scooters littering city streets and sidewalks? Well, the solution, of course, is an obvious one, which is make them self-driving or self-riding or, I don't know, self-scooting? Uh yeah, and that's effectively what we've got now because, well, there is another, yet another shared scooter company. It's called GoX, which I've admittedly never heard of before. Uh, rather like Bird and Lime, they've they've got your, you know, they sort of scatter these scooters about the city and, uh, you know, the rest is as you know it. But what's different here is that these scooters, well, they've partnered up with a company called Tortoise. And uh, Tortoise have developed a technology which effectively allows scooters to scoot themselves from A to B, totally anonymously. And it looks hilarious. You can see an animated GIF, yes, GIF, over at Electric, um, showing what it looks like. And it is kind of ridiculous, actually. Uh, one thing that's funny, it almost, I almost missed it the first time I saw it. It looks like the scooters, when they are in uh, autonomous mode, going wherever they're going, uh, they've got what looks like, for lack of a better word, little training wheels that stick out the side of the, uh, sort of the rear of the scooter, just forward of the rear wheel. Uh, yeah, anyway, so so look, it, it totally looks ridiculous, but honestly, it's a, it's not a bad thing to imagine, right? I mean, I don't know, just think about it. You're, you're kind of walking through a city or maybe... I don't know what, for whatever reason, it's kind of a hassle to get to the nearest scooter. You push a button and the scooter just comes to you. Seems to make sense. And then conversely, when you finish your ride, well, now you no longer need to worry about where you leave it. You don't have to worry about racking up potential fines. And the scooter will just kind of, well, scoot itself off to its docking station somewhere. So as ridiculous as it looks and sounds, it's actually solving a legitimate problem. And so in that sense, cool, right? I mean, if it works... Funny enough, the name Tortoise, which again developed the technology uh, for these scooters, the name sounded super familiar. And so I actually checked my email and then I stumbled across it. I actually once connected uh, with one of the uh, founders of Tortoise. Uh, actually, let me just pull it up here real quick. I thought I had it. Um, yeah, yeah, his name is uh, Dimitri uh, Shefelenko. And we connected a while back on uh, on LinkedIn and uh, when they were in early days. And uh, Dimitri, I've actually sent you a note. So if you're listening, it'd be great to uh, to reconnect and catch up. Uh, but, you know, wow, I just got to say, this is, this is pretty cool. And what's most impressive, as I recall from our earlier conversations, was the fact that uh, it was a pretty 
kind of inexpensive retrofit kit, which can be added to any scooter. I, I want to say for like a hundred bucks or something, which is a really big deal if that's true. Um, I guess the only real obvious questions that kind of present itself though are things like, well, okay, so they've got these what appear to be training wheels, and I'm guessing that's part of the kit that that is you know part of the retrofit kit. Um, uh, also, I'm super curious kind of what the actual technology is. I'm assuming it's some sort of a LiDAR system. Uh, and and I'm also curious how these things are going to keep from falling over beyond the training wheel things, of course, right? Or presumably, you know that people are going to try to knock these things over. Uh, so, so, you know, kind of what happens in that case? Um, I suppose it's the sort of thing you could just sort of ignore for the time being and deal with it as it presents itself. But... I suppose you could theoretically imagine some sort of inertial sort of gyroscopic thing which helps keep the scooter upright, I, I guess. Um, I don't quite know how that would work nor how much power it would require, but I suppose it's an idea. Uh, in any event, uh, look, I think it's a pretty cool step in the right direction. Uh, you know, Dimitri, it'd be great to reconnect if you're listening. If anybody knows the team at Tortors or Dimitri personally, I think it'd be really cool to have a chat on the podcast about this. So very cool. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so for this third and final segment, uh, I do want to talk about the need for clear regulation for autonomous delivery, uh, sort of delivery bot vehicles like Nero, uh, we've, as we've discussed in the past. Uh, but I was kind of torn between discussing this and uh, kind of a big discussion that's popped up around Tesla. As you know, I tend to try to avoid too much discussion about Tesla. It's just become such a polarizing topic. And if I ever say anything even remotely positive about Tesla or Elon, God forbid, uh, I get a lot of people kind of up in arms about it. Like, oh, why am I such a you know pro-Elon supporter and Tesla fanboy? And look, I've been pretty transparent about the fact that I've been a very long Tesla stockholder, like very long since 2012. Uh, yes, I am a Tesla fan. Yes, I am an Elon fan. I think he's going to go down in history, one of the most influential uh, and one of the greatest humans to have ever lived insofar as what he's done for humanity's future. If not necessarily for the present, then certainly for humanity's future. Um, so, so I don't even know whether it's worth discussing, but let me just toss in a quick comment about it because there was a lot of talk about you know how Elon keeps raising the price of Tesla's so-called full self-driving option. Right, so uh, when my wife and I pre-ordered our Model Y, uh, it was seven thousand dollars to add the full self-driving option. Uh, on July one, it goes up to eight thousand, and I think once upon a time it was as little as five thousand. Look, without getting too much into us into this, the the idea is that first of all, as a thing improves, it's arguably worth more money. So okay, I mean iPhones have gotten more expensive over time too. No big deal. Adding storage to your iCloud account, that gets more expensive also the more storage you add. And so that's, I think, a relatively easy thing to wrap one's head around. I think the the bigger question that people keep asking is is uh, that, that, that $7,000 isn't even necessarily worth it for the functionality it's getting. And so the argument is kind of that you're prepaying for future functionality, right? You're sort of baking yourself in at a low, lower cost thing now for a thing that'll be worth mm, quite a bit more than 7000 or if Elon is to be believed, in fact, an order of magnitude more, like 
could be 70, 80, even $100,000 plus once full self-driving is fully realized and final. Uh, so, so I get, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm not even sure what more to say about this. That is the argument, right? Um, for me personally, that's why it made sense to kind of get into it now with the premise that it will in fact eventually keep continuing to improve as it indisputably has done, even though it is decidedly not full self-driving by any stretch of the imagination. Don't worry. I, I'm not delusional about that. And anybody who thinks it is just, you're wrong and it isn't. But look, I do think it's continuing to improve, and I do think that eventually it will effectively reach that full self-driving goal, albeit could be, I don't know, a couple of years, five years, ten years, whatever, but it will get there eventually. Um, and so for me, that is actually a legitimate investment, right? So it's kind of like saying, okay, it's kind of like saying that when you first uh, bought, say, for those of you who remember the first-gen iPhone, there wasn't even an app store. Yeah, actually, do, how many of you actually remember that? There was not an app store with the first iPhone uh, 10 or 11 years ago. Uh, and this is, or rather, I guess 12 years ago. And that's a really big deal, right? And so the idea was you're you're paying for a thing that didn't even realize its full functionality yet. Um, similarly, when you got the, the more recent iPhone, uh, or I guess iPad, that just got released with, with LiDAR baked into it. Um, yeah, can you imagine? We're living in the era where we have LiDAR, not just in autonomous cars, but on our iPads, and indeed the future iPhone, that's going to have a lot of functionality that isn't ready yet. Heck, the, the portrait mode on iPhone, what was it, iPhone 10, that wasn't even available when the phone first came out. But you were, so you were effectively prepaying for a functionality that didn't even exist yet. I mean, it's really the same thing here. That's all I'm going to say about it. I don't disagree. Um, fight me. <laughs> uh, so look, that said, let's dive into what I really wanted to talk about before getting totally and utterly derailed by that. Um, yeah, so autonomous delivery companies, right? So so they really do need clear regulation for their deployment. The big issue, of course, is, and I didn't actually fully realize that, so let me actually just read you a quote here um, with respect to uh, the so-called autonomous vehicle exemptions that certain companies are getting, like, for instance, Nero, right? They qualified because their delivery bot called, affectionately enough, R2, because, of course, um, it's very slow speed. It's 25 miles per hour. It can only run on, uh, be operated on streets that are 35 miles per hour or less. Uh, and it can, of course, only carry uh, goods rather than humans, which is good because you, if you put a human in there, it'd be extremely, uh, they would actually basically have to be squashed into a ball. So that's good. Um, but anyway, so they're only able to deploy 5,000 of these things and, and it's only good for, I want to say, two years or so. The thing is, and I didn't realize this before, um, so let me just read you a quote here from Nero's policy and partnerships lead, uh, who said that uh, the challenge with the exception, uh, sorry, with the exemption, is that you get it at the end of building the vehicle. So you have to build the vehicle first, and then you get the exemption. And so this, of course, makes it very challenging to design a new vehicle, uh, because in automotive, it generally takes four to six years to design a new vehicle. So net-net, really what this is sounding like to me is that, um, you know, it's sort of like, hey, we, you know, we might, we probably won't get, but we might get an exemption to the existing rules, uh, but we're not even going to know it until we develop the thing in the first place. Well, that obviously, that's pretty suboptimal, right? I mean, imagine spending years and years uh, building a thing only to find out, well, shoot, now you can't, you can't even deploy it with an exemption or otherwise, and so. So yeah, definitely it must be the case that the, the regulations do catch up. Uh, I'm not going to dive into too much of a discussion on this now. We've talked about it a lot in the past, but suffice to say, um, 
you know, the U.S. Department of Transportation, the DOT, they, they had announced a thing called AV 4.0. These were really just guidelines that requested, without mandating, um, you know, various sort of assessments for AV safeties and permitting and that sort of thing. It didn't really go anywhere, though. Uh, similarly, the House of Representatives, um, they passed a bill called the Self-Drive Act, but that has not been uh, taken up by the Senate yet. And so basically what's going on is that, well, nothing is going on. And so without getting again into my discussion about how eventually we just need to have a nice, fully fleshed out, fully realized, streamlined FAVA, an FAVA, a Federal Autonomous Vehicle Administration, about which you can read over at our new Hogan Co. Dot com blog, or of course, over on my Medium account. Uh, and of course, I've podcasted a, a lot about this in the past. You know, the there's a really strong argument to be made that we really do need to kind of get on the ball and get these regulations out there sooner rather than later. You know, this reminds me of the argument that says that laws without strict enforcement are actually much be- much worse than no laws at all. And I think the analogy for this is uh, speeding laws. I absolutely abhor the speeding laws in the U.S., or at least in California, where they are so lax, or I should say so laxly enforced, that you have no idea what is the upper bound before you get a ticket. I mean, and a lot of this comes from the fact that a lot of the speeds are, let's face it, artificially way, way, way too low for today's modern cars with their vastly superior suspensions and capabilities, even for the average driver, than when these speed regulations were put into effect, say, 20, 30, 40, even 50 years ago. And and so you've got 55 and 65 mile per hour speed limits where literally everybody, or at least more than that famous 80% threshold of traffic, they're all going at least 10, 15, 20 miles per hour over the speed limit, especially as you go further south to Southern California. And so it makes it really kind of stressful because you don't know how fast you're allowed to go. You want to, on the one hand, go as fast as the, uh, you know, your, your neighbors on the road, the, the nearby traffic. Uh, on the other hand, you're always scared. People see a cop, suddenly they slam on the brakes. It's just really stressful because you don't know at which point you're going to get a ticket. In contrast, in Germany, um, you know, putting aside for a moment even the few de-restricted roads that exist, when there is a speed limit, you know that that is the speed limit. You know, if it's not strictly uh, enforced by police officers, then it is certainly strictly enforced by speed cameras. In France, a lot of the highways have... Um, average speed checks, which is really cool. So if you're going from A to B on a, on a freeway, and if your average speed between checkpoints, typically toll booths, is too fast, you automatically get a ticket. Problem solved. It's really easy. And, and, and on the one hand, it sounds like it's a bit restrictive. I could tell you, having driven ex- extensively throughout Europe, it is far less stressful on a long drive to just set your cruise control at the speed limit, at precisely the speed limit, and you know that's what you can do. Okay, this was a totally roundabout, bizarre tangent of an analogy uh, to the point here, which is that, yeah, we do need uh, vastly better regulation, and we need it sooner rather than later, because if it comes out later, it's going to be a much more difficult thing to remedy than, in, than if we've already got the framework in place now. So anyway, that's all I'm going to say on that for now, and we can circle back and discuss this more in the future. All right, well, that's a wrap for today. And indeed, this week, please don't forget that if you're a fan of this podcast, go ahead and drop me five stars over on Apple Podcasts and leave a written review. Continue to share with your friends, colleagues, and loved ones if you enjoy the podcast. And um, what can I say Uh, other than have a wonderful weekend if you're here in the U.S. 
Uh, it is Memorial Day weekend, so I'm sure many of you will be traveling. Uh, please do not listen to this podcast while you're traveling. <laughs> uh, enjoy your uh, adventures to wherever you're going, if you can go anywhere at all, given the the ongoing, uh, you know, what shall I say, trials, tribulations, and challenges of COVID. Uh, if you do go, obviously be safe. Uh, anyway, thank you again so much for listening. Have a wonderful weekend. I'll see you back here next week on Tuesday. Take care. Bye-bye.